In the spring of 2003, I was traveling with one of my lifetime's best friends, and I'll give a shout out, hello, Will, if you happen to be catching this episode. And I remember we were on the train in the north of Italy, and I also remember sitting side by side there in the train car. We were flying through this uh, section of the country where there were just vineyard after vineyard. It was really beautiful. And as we were traveling along, I had in my hands a beat up, already at the time, old paperback copy of Walt Whitman's original 1855 edition of Leaves of Grass, before he added all the extra nonsense to the rest of his life that made it, you know, hundreds of pages thick. The original, mm, so good. And I remember reading in the introduction very slowly, just sort of savoring it, and Whitman begins to talk about this character, this entity that he calls the greatest poet. And I know enough about Whitman to know that deep down in his sweet egomaniac heart, uh, he thought he was the greatest poet. But I remember in the north of Italy, on the train, flying by these vineyards, knowing that these words, in some crazy way, Whitman had tapped it. They were Jesus! So I want to share with you some Walt Whitman that he absolutely unconsciously did not know was about Jesus of Nazareth. Just listen. He stands, turning a concentrated light. His brain is the ultimate brain. He is no arguer. He is judgment. He judges not as the judge judges, but as the sun falling around a helpless thing. As he sees the farthest, he has the most faith. He sees eternity less like a play with a prologue and denouement. He sees eternity in men and women. He hardly knows pettiness or triviality. If he breathes into anything that was before thought small, it dilates with the grandeur and life of the universe. He is a seer. He is individual. He is complete in himself. The known universe has one complete lover, and that is he. All expected from heaven or from the highest he is rapport with in the sight of the daybreak or a scene of the winter woods or the presence of children playing or with his arm round the neck of a man or woman. His love, above all, has leisure and expanse. He leaves room ahead of himself. He is no irresolute or suspicious lover. He is sure. He scorns intervals. Nothing can jar him. Suffering and darkness cannot. Death and fear cannot. To him, complaint and jealousy and envy are corpses buried and rotten in the earth. He saw them buried. The sea is not surer of the shore or the shore of the sea than he is of the fruition of his love. He forms the consistence of what is to be from what has been and is. He drags the dead out of their coffins and stands them again on their feet. He says to the past, rise and walk before me that I may realize you. He places himself where the future becomes present. 
He is most wonderful in his last half-hidden smile or frown. By that flash of the moment of parting, the one that sees it shall be encouraged or terrified afterwards for many years. So I would say, we see you today, Jesus. You judge not as the judge judges, but as the sun falling around a helpless thing. We were helpless ourselves until you found us. You saw eternity in us and you came for us. You have filled our hearts with the grandeur and life of the universe. You are the complete lover of heaven, Jesus. Please slip your arm around the neck of each of us. Overcome our suspicion. Teach us to scorn any sense of interval between us and you. Make us sure as the sea of the shore and vice versa in your goodness, your faithfulness, the fruition of your love. Drag us out of the coffins of the past, of our doubt, our unbelief, and say to us, rise and walk before me that I may realize you. Turn your head, Jesus, and smile at us with that flash of your half-hidden smile. Teach us to see you, to draw life from you today. Amen.